drums and electric guitars. There's drums. Uh, I hope I don't catch SARS. It's Game of Bones. It's Friday. SARS? Yeah, I just watched uh, World War Z last night. Oh. We talked about SARS. Oh. No. Yep, don't get SARS, ladies and gentlemen. This podcast is a cure for most SARS-related illnesses. It's true. It's true. I'll tell you, we can also cure the illness that Meister Lewin has got. And that is the glass half empty syndrome. I know. I hate that. We, we come to you again on Friday. Uh, Eric and I, we, we were here Wednesday. Well, here, we're here to cheer you up as we would normally do. And, uh, I feel like, uh, Brand might need a little bit of cheering up as well, uh, in this chapter. The results of, uh, this chapter that we're going through here were kind of a letdown for him. He learned a lot, but he just wasn't able to put a lot of faith in it because the people he looks up to, they don't believe in it. What a magical day it is, too, right? So much magic is being Super discussed. magical, <laughs> magical day. I was wondering when this was going to be brought up. I think it's I a mean, new record, right? Time. I mean, obviously, this has nothing to do with our podcast because this is goo, but Eric and I are, are, are long friends, and, and part of our world has expanded, which is a great, great thing for mm-hmm. us. Yes, yes, it is. And I wonder if uh, J.K. Rowling won't make uh, direwolves uh, make their way into this new uh, film that she's writing. I don't know. I mean, the CGI budget's probably outstandingly high, so they could probably work it out. I was just saying on MuggleCast that I think we should do, that film should involve a lot of practical effects. Creature, you know, works. The way the Jurassic Park did it. It worked. <laughs> but but who can say, right? It's it's still several years down the line. Right. So essentially, we're excited. The two of us are here. We were going to record originally at a different time, and then we decided, here is this time because we're so pumped. Today is great. It's beautiful. It's magical. And it's related it's a lot to this chapter, honestly, and it, and it made me kind of laugh because, uh, you know, I read this morning. We like to kind of read to keep it fresh in our minds toward the time we're going to record. Mm-hmm. This chapter literally deals with the push and pull of being a kid, having these wondrous dreams and wondrous thoughts. But in Brand's world, this air quotes magic is very real. And mm-hmm. Lewin is kind of playing the devil's advocate that we see growing up, and it could be applied to lots of things, not just magic. And, uh, man, it's kind of sad, you know? Yeah, I mean, I can see some people who may read this and go, oh, Meister Lewin's being very selfish, or he's being very, you know, this is where he's failing as a mentor because he's just upset he never had the magic to to make things work. But really, I think it's it's important to him to not let children's imaginations run wild you know, and, and at this point, I guess it is still a little speculative, but if Meister Lewin had actually been present when, um, you know, Mira and Jojen were saying those things about, you know, Bran's abilities and what he could do and what they could do, if he had been present, I think it would have been a slightly different situation. But right now, Bran just kind of, you know, came back and reported to him that, you know, they said he's all this magic and Meister Lewin's like, yeah, I tried. I dabbled in magic once. Look, I got this pretty ring on my, uh, on my <laughs> necklace from it. Yeah, this proves that I know what I'm talking about when I say magic never worked for me. I think it's so cool that Lewin is the one in 100 maesters that yeah, has studied I the know. higher shit. The I wisdom that this so, guy has. I feel so, uh, what's sort of privileged to be reading from one of those Meisters who's actually put in the hours. Do you think it's like just like college credit hours? Just like, I think so. Yeah. Working towards a degree, even though he could never produce a spell, he was able to get that, that ring. So maybe that is magic. (laughs) I don't, I I hate to say that it's a little bit of jealousy that he's so cross about magic in general, you Mm -hmm. know, 
because that's too petty for someone like him, I think. But yeah. you can't help but when reading the dialogue in this chapter, um, he literally says stuff. He's like, you know, when I was younger, I had these ideas and, you know, I really chased spellcraft or whatever. He doesn't go too deep into it because he's talking to a kid. But I think we can ascertain that Lewin was kicking asses because, I mean, he has this link. He is this cool. He is this smart. And he's an older guy with lots of knowledge. I would like to think that if we were ever going to go back and make a series set maybe 40 years in the past, maybe we could go with Maester Lewin as he tries to discover magic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that'd be a nice backstory. Yeah. But I, I think it's true because, um, or also that Maester Lewin, the other thing, and we, we've, we've come across this or other times in the series as well, that essentially magic is gone and magic has been gone for a while. We feel it's coming back, right? There's things like White Walkers, dragons, obviously the obvious one. But for the most part, and Meister Lewin says it himself, you know, like the, the magic is a, is like a wisp of smoke. The, the magic that exists in the world today is a wisp of smoke following the putting out of a fire. And even right. then it's fading. And I was like, okay, so that's, that's just his perspective. But at the same time, we're right. We don't have children of the forest running around. Um, all, so any knowledge, my point is any knowledge they have of magic, anything they could, uh, concretely say, we know this is generations ago. Um, you know, long gone. And really the people you find knowing these things that they know, uh, are the children who are experiencing it. It's so funny because we're, we're living in this Westerosian universe as we go along in the podcast. And it's very much an iron agey sort of environment where everything is so new ish. Um, the government is still totalitarian mm -hmm. and magic is just on the fingertips. You know, I'm thinking about, Early on in our Earth's history, like in our recorded history that we have, all of these legends and things were such more prevalent and they have dissipated over time, but they've made their way even to our, our modern culture. And I think that George just made so many nods with this chapter as if to say our Earth could very well have been a magical place years and years in the past because he, he says, you know, the way Lewin describes it is. We go through so many cycles. Hell, even the gods die. Old Valyria is under the ashes of itself. You know, like you said, mm -hmm. the smoke is rising, and this is just a piece of what there once was. I feel like it's a nod. George is basically saying there could have been magic in the world. All of these stories that all of these different places from around the planet have that are so similar about dragons and all of this crazy shit. You know, or like, even like the things that have been translated now to mean aliens visited ancient civilizations. All that stuff, right? Like, you know, chariots of fire, legit. Of course, I'm thinking, do, 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 <laughs> But you notice, yeah, it's exactly yeah. the same thing. Like all these things that were crazy with this world. And part of it was because we couldn't comprehend, right? We didn't have the science that we do now. But then the other part is like the, the where you have to take the leap of faith that, you know, the world could have been more mysterious because there actually were those things. Right. I mean, I mean, who are we to say either way? And that's what Lewin is kind of doing wrong in the situation because he definitively is saying – there is no magic. No man has the green sight. But yet mm -hmm. we know that Bran does have the green sight. We know by what we've seen. We know by what he's been told by Mira and Jojen and just by their their sheer like seriousness when they're talking to him about it. It's like you want to believe it. And that's what that's one of the great mechanics about the story, because George is basically saying, OK, much like our world, there could have been magic and crazy things, except in my story, it's coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, at least I like how Lewin handles it scientifically. You know, he's able to, to approach Bran and be like, 
okay, yeah, you have some dreams come true sometimes, but we all have dreams come true sometimes. Think about the thousands of dreams you've had that haven't come true. And then I got to thinking, how many thousands could he have with how young he is? <laughs> <laughs> he says, he supposes if there, if there is really this green sight, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be as much magic as it is just another form of knowledge. Like when he said that, I was like, oh, that's that so makes cool. Sense. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. It's like if they can actually see through the trees as um, Lewin says that they could or something like that. It's like an extra sense. It's ESP. It's extra sensory perception. It's like a different form of knowledge. But that goes back to what Jojen was saying to Bran when he's like, um, with two eyes, you can see this wall. With three eyes, you can see to the wall. The wall on the north. I, I love that. When he uses the example of the, the heart tree and he's saying, you know, you can see this with your eyes, but if you look with your third eye, you can see the <laughs> acorn that grew into this massive tree we're sitting in front of years later today. You know what I mean? He doesn't sound like an old man who's been smoking for 40 years, but you guys get the old idea. Man. No, no, no. I thought that was good because doesn't old man call him little grandfather? Which so. I love. He She calls Bran little grandfather because he's just moping about. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, that's so, good. It's funny. It was a great chapter. We, we we began in the Godswood, and the last time we left Bran was the dream he was having with the interaction with Jojen and mm. Summer. I, I mean, we, we can assume, yeah. But now we're in the middle of it, and they're actually sort of wrestling and playing with the wolves, which makes me want to go buy one even more. <laughs> How much would you pay for one? <laughs> I have literally been shopping for a wolf hybrid for two years now. A wolf Some, hybrid? Something like two years, yeah. You know, you just got to do what uh, Mira did and snare one. Yeah, in a, in the net, you just gotta you just gotta face it head on and hope that it's as jovial as uh as summer is. You know, does he ever get angry? <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, he's torn faces off, but you know, whatever. He's like, he rips off my clothes, but it's not like he you know bites me and draws blood. <laughs> She's like, your blood. He's huge. <laughs> I can only imagine the size of this direwolf. We knew in the show it 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 grows like it's by double every time we see them. They're twice as big as they were before. So. Uh, it's super intimidating for a wolf, but I think really what was laid or laid down here, especially by Jojen, but also by Mira, um, is kind of the, the scope of where you, where these skills are coming from. And what I thought was interesting is that Jojen said he also had a near death experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was as a youth, he was ill with the fever. Um, that sort of thing. And that really got me thinking about people who have, again, near death experiences, but where they, they claim to have seen things or afterwards they're never quite the same. Um, which I'm sure is a matter of perspective, but there's also a spiritual element. It's like, well, being nearly dead, nearly connected to the spirit world, uh, leaves some sort of residue where nearly you know, dead. How nearly, can it be nearly dead? Like this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, spirit world. Yeah, spirit world. Uh, you know, lasting remnant. You know what I'm saying? It's I like know. Being, yeah, yeah. Being close to the angels, you can start seeing angels and all that all right. stuff. So I, I love that this is broken down in a way that we can't understand it in science. Both Jojen and Lewin say it in sort of different ways when we're talking about this magic power. Mm -hmm. And essentially, what I gather from it is. You know, it could be magic or it could just be Bran has the ability to tap into matter much higher than other people. Like he can warg in other beings because, you know, we're all consisted of the same atoms, right? Mm -hmm. So if you start to look at, it, look at it like that, maybe we could move forward into the story and this might be something that is not actual magic. Everything could be practical because so far, other than things like the shadow badge <laughs> and other stuff like that, wow. I mean, it's been, it's been mostly 
things that are sleight of hand. Like he was saying, like Lewin was saying about the rose disappearing, the old magic trick people used to use on each other. You know, there's varying perspective shifts in this chapter. On one hand, you've got the children playing in the forest, catching wolves and nets and laughing and giggling, talking about magic. And on the other hand, you have the old wise man who's like, I've been there and I'd like you to learn early so you waste less time chasing a fool's hope, you know? So Mm -hmm. there's not really any side to be on. It's just... This is a chapter where we're in the eyes of a child. And, you know, last chapter we were in the eyes of an older person dealing with much more serious, you know, life and death. And this is just kind of a theory based thing. So it's it's broad and it enriches the book. And, you know, everyone likes brand chapters. It's true. And I think that um, really the thing to take away from this chapter is that they say or they, they accuse Bran of being afraid. Um, and by the end of it all, he's just resolved. He's like, no. No, I can't open my eyes. My eyes are open. This, that, the other thing. He's resolved to kind of not look for magic, which I blame Lewin for. Um, but at the same time, Jojen and Amir were like, hey, man, you, you could fly. You just need to flap your wings. Like, you just need to open your third eye. Go for it. Don't be afraid. This, that, the other. So, like, it's, it's like his destiny is waiting. He just needs to grab onto it. He's angry because, you know, he's getting told he can do all of these things. He's like, you can, you were the knight in my dream. You were the, the wolf the in wolf my dream, wings. Bran. Yeah, you could with, fly. You're like yeah. Pegasus' stepbrother. You could do it. <laughs> and Bran's like, I can't. I'm hurt and I'm young. And he's so disgruntled and just annoyed at the whole situation that his emotions flare enough that Rickon's wolf comes and pounces on them. In addition to <laughs> Summer, just I'm done playing. Quit playing and chases the reeds up a tree. <laughs> yeah, like good for the wolves because that's cool. And also good for the reeds for climbing trees so quickly. Yeah, that was probably a smart move. I like that it takes place in the Godswood or in that in that area where it's just things are just a little bit more mystical to begin with. Uh, it's like if you're going to find out that you have a secret magical power that your dreams are all true and all this stuff, why wouldn't you do it in, in, in an area like that? The transportation we went through in this chapter from Godswood to inside of Winterfell, it just made me think about the scope and the scale of this book and how many people are really scared of starting these books because they're so big and hell there's a tv show so why not read it and i encourage all of you listening that are in that same category where i can just watch the tv show and listen to podcasts and i kind of get the same thing like i mean that makes sense in a way but this book in these books there's no real challenge associated with it you know it, it moves rather fast we were in the godswood and then there was no Brands walking on the back of, you know, Hodor through the forest and, and, you know, jumping over logs and stuff. Like we completely <laughs> skipped it. We went from there to there. We went from the Godswood to talking to Maester Lewin within a sentence. So it, it flows pretty rapidly. And this chapter, I think, was a good example of that. Yeah. And plus these little, I mean, I guess what you would call like side quests, they're fully formed. Whereas in the, I mean, not that they aren't in the series too, because they work for film, but, um, you get a lot more of them. I th- excuse me, I think, or they're a lot more fleshed out. Um, yeah. in, in the books. And that just comes from them being books and being the source <laughs> material for the film. So, or for the TV show. So yeah, I would definitely encourage, you know, just like Zach said, these, these chapters, they're short, they're sweet. Um, but they offer you a lot of, uh, they let your mind want, that's what I like about books. They really let your imagination go. Hmm. I just read about this. What do I think about this? What do I think <laughs> is going on in this world? What do I think about the children of the forest? I was going to say earlier, speaking of flesh, and then you said so much more. So if anyone listening remembers when he said something about flesh earlier, this transition will completely work. Speaking of flesh, it's time to give you my own, Eric. Are you ready? Oh, no, flesh. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Um, My own, oh, excuse me, my own goes to a Mr. Hodor for not only playing in the hot pools and being half-dressed, 
but for coming to Brand's aid immediately when he needed it, charging into the grassy area they're playing in, stomping, waving his arms madly, but while enjoying the entire time, shouting Hodor and making the wolves get scared away. So Hodor, great job. Great job to Hodor. Also, I find myself quickly becoming a fan of the reeds, which I, I really wish hadn't <laughs> been the case because I know how much Selena freaks out about them. Um, but in the books, come on, she snared herself Summer, a direwolf. She did. Uh, she caught him in the net. It was like half a page into the chapter, and I said, there it goes. That's my own. Um, you know, because if you gave me a spear and a net, and or a frog spear and a net, and I was supposed to catch a direwolf, I would have right. ended up dinner. Sorry. It just, yeah. it's good to know your own limitations, huh? But Mira Reed, man, and you can bet that's the first time she saw a direwolf or ever had to like encounter one is when she first came here. So, uh, gotta give her the own for sure. Yep. You've got some stones, Mira Reed. I won't call them stones again, but you've got them. <laughs> <laughs> we promised you guys on Wednesday, we said Friday, we're going to come back. We're going to read a bunch of the things that we've been missing because our episodes have been so full of content. So we've got emails, we've got tweets, we've got hellos, we've got goodbyes, and we've got a Mr. Eric Skull who will read all of them in 17 seconds or less. Ooh. Not true. Well, we got Leigh de Guzman, who says, Been listening to a Clash of Kings audiobook since last week, and now just in time to do some catching up with the Game of Bones podcast. We do appreciate that, Leigh, that you'll be reading along with us, and hopefully you'll be able to submit Owens weekly to us. So Miranda Gwynn says, I can't even handle y'all. I'm sure my... <laughs> I'm sure half my office thinks I'm insane due to my failed silent laughing. Thanks for that. Snowflake, camel, bear, snowflake, camel. <laughs> yes. I really need to bring my emojis back. Uh, yeah. So I, can, I can tweet them. I haven't used that in a while. But uh, we did get uh, an own for this chapter from our friend Pamela, Pluisa. She says, it's all fun and games till Bran slash Summer gets pissed off. It's true. <laughs> Not an own. But a smile, but made me smile. He's still just a kid. It's true. Brand switching emotions causes reeds to skimper up trees. True. We got some tweets for uh, for the Danny and uh, Arya chapters that we've read uh, previously. Danny's this one's from Lizzie saying Danny's honor guards aren't a regular cavalry. <laughs> oh no, they're a camel. Camelry. Camelry. Oh. Oh. <laughs> well, why not switch it over to comments? I got a Ooh. little comment for you guys. Comments. Here's one. Queen Nymeria of the Roinar from a wildling bastard on winnerscoming.net. Mm-hmm. From Ash Hodor. From Arthur. Yet again, Stannis, cause what this guy says. Everyone in the comment loves that. Also, someone just wrote my name and Selena's name together. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Mage I'm says I'm digging Selena's voice here. Voice here. Mm. Mm. Pamela says, yikes, this is a scary chapter. Talking about Arya's on Monday. Hard to imagine a 10-year-old surviving in this creepy atmosphere without being scarred for life. I was left speechless, therefore submitted not an own. Nice writing, Pamela. Nice writing. Well, we got an apology from Karen uh, on Twitter who says, sorry to confuse last week. Arya 6, a brutal read but owned to Arya for polishing her hate as Gendry once polished his helm. Ooh, imagery. Ooh, character development. Mm. <laughs> we got a heads up from Kate who says, I listen on the drive between BF, which I assume is boyfriend, and mm -hmm. school and would love the longer episodes to fill the two-hour drive. Love the show. <laughs> um, also, Lush Queen definitely approves of what we're doing on this podcast. Game of Owns is already a pretty epic podcast, but when you add in the Game of Thrones theme music, it becomes a thousand times more epic. I like to know the exact number. And now we have a plea for help from Jenny McNiven, 
Uh, Jenny says, Oh, Theon, I love you, but I hate you. Please be nice. There are more of us like Eric out there. There are. Back to winner's coming comments. The loyal Sunspear writes, Well, since you brought up condoms, Westeros does have an equivalent of the pill called Moon Tea. Oh, no. <laughs> Thanks for the mention, you guys. I finally got done catching up on your old podcast, and I loved every minute of it. Love's a strong word. For when Moon Tea isn't effective, there's always the Moon Door. There is. <laughs> From Rhaegar, Omar Cummin. From Paige, Tony Stark. <laughs> 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 Finally here from Nathan Jones. This is, again, uh, sort of the situation, circumstances surrounding listening to us. Nathan says, in work at 4.30 a.m., but thankfully I have Game of Owns to keep me from going mad. We hope you don't go mad. And that was Eric reads the tweets and I read other stuff in other stuff sections on this. After that painstakingly processed thing, we shall move on to something called emails. We have emails from all of you. Literally. First up in our email inbox is a life story from Shelly Smith, who talks about, um, <laughs> who talks about the tapered watching and reading of the series. As of Friday, September 5th, Shelly finished a dance with dragons and replies, holy sh, you know, boop. <laughs> the story is so amazing and wonderful. Naturally, as the summer progressed, I began scouring the interwebs for anything Game of Thrones. Found winter is coming. Found. Game of Owns. Let me tell you my own of the week. You. All four <laughs> of you. You all kick ass. I listen to you in the car. I listen to you any chance I get. I will be stopped at red lights with traffic surrounding me, people in a fog and looking sad, pensive, melancholy, wow. generally looking disinterested in life. And then there's me <laughs> sitting in the car by myself, bursting out laughing, listening to you guys. And Cal, I've shared Game of Owns with the coworkers that wanted me to watch Game of Thrones in the first place. One of them, so far, has downloaded a few podcasts and is listening to them for the first time on a road trip this weekend. I have listened to Owns 1 through 13 now and have listened to the most recent 8 or 9. I started with the Christian Nairn interview. What the fuck is Shock Week? Damn it, that was flipping great. I now own season one DVD. Okay, again, it's a life story. But thank you, Shelly, for submitting that in. Yeah, this is an incredible email, Shelly. We read it. But they, she she loves us. She's very, very uh, affectionate. Thank you, Shelly. We love origin stories. It's it's interesting to find out how you guys discovered the show because the internet's wide and full of terrors and you found our show. So that's incredible. Shelly, my heart goes out to you and your car of happiness. And actually, we got an own uh, via email from Beth Meyer who says, since I have no desire to give owns to the likes of the tickler or Raph the sweetling. My own goes to Igon's dragons for doing for going to the most ginormous castle in the kingdom <laughs> and melting. Melting it! Melting it! Melting Aaron Hall like candles. Thank you, Beth Meyer. Indeed. Here's an email from a foreign location. It says, Hey, Team Goo, just wanted to say that I love your podcast. I've spent way too much time catching up on with your chapter discussions, but it was definitely worth it. As for owns, Tyrion owning everyone in King's Landing is the obvious choice, but I'll have to give mine to the White's hand for rotting before Sir Lyser could show it to the powers that be, eliminating any chance that they might believe him. Arya's chapter is almost too grim for Owens, but anyway. Mine goes to the name-dropped Lord Beric Dondarrion for looting the mountain's men. At this point, it seems even more awesome because we don't know he just respawns every time he's killed. <laughs> From Jocko. Thank you, Jocko. <laughs> that phrase, respawn. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it reminds me of Halo. Yeah, right. But uh, you know what? In Following in the uh, footsteps of Shelley, we got a nice email from David Wakefield. This is much shorter, though. It says, I want to give my own to someone question on the Goo cast. One of you dubbed this as the on season. Just realized remove the space and it 
reads Thea in season. What? Not sure which one of you, but I have my suspicions. It was you. It was me who said Thea in season. Uh, I'm going to claim that that was intentional. David is Corman Strike, and he is a detective. (laughs) We also know how certain, um, you know, doing this show, we solve certain mysteries, and another mystery is how we celebrate birthdays. It's true. Um, And so Veronica Parker wrote in to let us know, Hello, so today... My 23rd birthday, I was binge listening to some old episodes and (laughs) felt quite a shock when I heard my review. After a long day of teaching, hearing my name and words caused me to drop my lesson plans. I call it my favorite birthday present. (laughs) Thanks for the podcast. (laughs) If we could just cause more terror in Veronica Parker's life, I'm pretty sure her life would be made. (sighs) Veronica, what about the children? Mm, think of the children. <laughs> think of the children. Don't drop your lesson plans. Last but not least in the email sphere, there is a very kind girl from Estonia by the name of Pia, not Pia, since she uses the toilet more often than she eats pies, she says. And she just writes in to tell us lots of things, showing us some videos, sharing owns from chapters in the past, and giving us much more insight on the delicious candy treat of camel balls that are on sale in Stockholm. So to all of our Swedes out there listening, get your hands on those. Get your hands on those camel balls. They've uh, been spotted yeah. in Stockholm. Pia goes on to say, anyway, I hope George won't get to you by the time the series ends and all of you are still alive. So I hope we survive. It'd be cool to be written into a Game of Thrones book, though. Well, that does it for emails. People, please remember that you can send in emails to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Contact at gameofowns.com. And don't forget to like our Facebook wall. Lots of things go through that place. Lots of photos, lots of episodes, and just in general camaraderie with your friends in the world of this. If you guys can understand that, you should like the page. It's true. And of course, you can tweet at us, twitter.com slash gameofowns. You can subscribe to iTunes if you haven't already, or left us a nice rate and review, since Mike is not here to announce that. Please review us. It is the month of September, and nothing less (laughs) than five stars is acceptable. It almost just sounds less when we say it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. Well, we'll chase you up a tree with our dire wolf if uh, you guys don't rent us. So there you go. And anybody can threaten. We love reading your feedback. We love reading your comments. The interaction is the fuel of the fire that is our show thrice weekly. We didn't start the fire. We didn't. We're just trying to keep it going. And you guys are a great, great help. So we appreciate it. We do indeed. So, Zach, I guess I will see you and some of our other hosts on Monday. Yes, we will collect each other into a basket, carry ourselves to a place where we shall record, and episodes will be created from that fire and smoke. Stay tuned next week. Lots to come on the Titan Con front and a few special guests. So stay tuned. Game of Owns is finished for the week. I'm Zach Lewis. I'm Eric Skull. Good night. And goodbye. And good luck. Okay.